You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. We want to get our whole selves, our, even our bodies, into this journey this week with Jesus. I think it helps us to not just go through the story mentally, but have opportunities to show up in different places, even if you can't make it. Whoever can make it, great. Um, But these opportunities to show up throughout the week to actually walk with Jesus, I think, do help us to get into his journey and ours. Because the invitation, you know, it's not just about what happens to Jesus. His, His spirit is in us, so it's it's about what is happening to us right now and our opportunity to rise with him. So it's not just a mental exercise. So I want to I want to take you. Um, I want to talk about the beginning of Holy Week because this the invitation of this day is really I think to come to come out and to love freely without fear or defense. That's what Jesus is doing by like showing up there in Jerusalem. He has, Jesus knew, you know, all throughout his ministry that the powers that be wanted to destroy him. And so often when he would do miracles, he'd say, shh, you know, don't, don't tell anybody because he, he knew that if he was really identified as the son of God, he was going to get whacked the Jewish religious leaders who were so threatened by his non-religion wanted to kill him. And then the, the, the Roman occupiers wanted to do whatever the religious leaders wanted to do in order to keep the peace. And so those two powers really united on this week to, to sentence Jesus to death. And so riding into Jerusalem today is like this big surrender. It's like Jesus saying, uh, I'm here. He's kind of turning himself in to the authorities. And he's also coming out as who he really is. Um, because for a long time, like I said, he's tried to kind of hide his identity as the son of God. And so he, so he wouldn't get killed. And now the time has come. I think it's kind of a sad irony that when you come out as who you really are sometimes, People can't handle it, and it's the beginning of the end. Or at least that's what we fear, right? That if we really show our true selves, we'll be rejected or shamed. And that's really what happens to Jesus. But he decides to love people anyway. He keeps moving forward in love, relentless love. He decides that love is going to win out over all that shame and vastitude of people's feelings and confusion and rejection and violence. Love is going to win. That's where this story is going, even though we're going to see a lot of suffering along the way this week. And I think we really need to hear this story about love winning in 2019 about and about being able to come out and love freely like that, like undefended. We need to hear that story um, because I think people are so afraid that the opposite is true. 
people are so afraid that love actually doesn't win. You know, that our selfish desires and the greed and violence of the world is just going to destroy us in the end. That evil is going to have the last word. I think, I think there's, there's like this general dread about that. I don't, I don't know if you feel it, but I feel that. And I certainly feel it when I see Game of Thrones. Tonight is the, the last season premiere. You know, one of the most popular TV series ever and the most expensive TV series ever made. I think it's so popular, not just for the nudity and violence, but because it plays on people's real fears about being punished for how terrible we are and having to defend ourselves all the time. So in case you haven't already watched it a hundred times or you need to see it one last time before your Game of Thrones party tonight, here's the trailer um, for the last season. I know death. He's got many faces. I look forward to seeing this one. Everything you did brought you where you are now. Where you belong. They're coming. Our enemy doesn't tire. Doesn't stop. Doesn't feel. doesn't die, doesn't stop, doesn't feel. I think that's exactly what Jesus rode into Jerusalem to undo, and he did. He overcame the enemy of death and of fear forever. But many people don't don't know that yet. And so this fear of that great other that they talk about in this in this show remains. And I think that's not a stupid fear, you know, that we're up against these ruthless supernatural powers. Like, without knowing a loving Savior, why wouldn't we be afraid of all that? Why wouldn't life just become a fight for power, a big competition like it is in that show, you know, where we just, everybody just needs to get as much, much pleasure and stuff and security as they possibly can. 
if we're all just going to get punished anyway, why wouldn't we just live for ourselves? Why wouldn't we defend ourselves all the time with more violence? So I think it's so perfect that this last season premiere is happening today because Jesus is doing the exact opposite thing as he rides into Jerusalem. He's not armed, even knowing he's going to be killed. He's incredibly needy and vulnerable. Throughout the whole passage that Victoria read to us, his vulnerability really struck me this year. If you want to check it out there. He needs a little cult for his kingly entry. Not a big, glorious Budweiser Clydesdale, but a common little donkey. And, and the fact that he, he admits that he needs it, it that, that is twice in the scripture. The Lord needs it. That, really stri- that language really strikes me too, that God would need anything from humanity. I don't know about you, but I'm not always comfortable with my needs. I, I didn't have um, sometimes a, a lot of indication that they would be met as a kid. And I think we all go through this, no matter how great our parents were. And so we learned ways around feeling and admitting our needs so that we wouldn't be disappointed or wrecked. And some of us developed very elaborate control systems you know, to, to keep from feeling our needs and being disappointed. Jesus seems pretty comfortable with his needs here. And I think he invites us to do the same, especially this week. He doesn't need protection from his real self. Like they're in the middle of the passage when... Um, people begin to shout, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, like we were singing. They were repeating this prophecy in Psalm 18 that everybody would have known at that time that is identifying Jesus as the Messiah. It's a beautiful psalm. And Jesus doesn't tell them to be quiet about that anymore. He lets it be because it's true. You know, even though his enemies like pounce right on top of that language, blaming him for the heresy of being revealed as the promised one, the savior of the world, he lets it go because it's true. He is the savior of the world, and the time has come to show it. The road from Bethany to Jerusalem dips um, over this ridge over the western slope of the Mount of Olives. And I picture Jesus and his crew in this moment having this view of the city of Jerusalem kind of spread out. This is a modern Jerusalem, so it didn't look like this. But I imagine it was beautiful. Um, but, but the view makes Jesus heartsick in this moment because he, it, he weeps. And, and the scripture, that Greek word for wept is like wailing like he might have been sobbing he was so overcome with emotion he's not really trying to maintain some kind of control system here on what he's feeling 
he's overcome by grief and sorrow for the suffering that he knows the people of Jerusalem are going to endure. People that he knows and loves. He says, if you had only known now what would bring you peace, but it is hidden from your eyes now. The day will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side and they will dash you to the ground because you didn't recognize the time of God's coming to you. He's, he, he's overcome with grief because he's here and they, they, they don't see it. They can't receive him. They can't receive that gift of salvation. And he's specifically talking about what's going to happen to this city, um, not even a whole century later, when the Romans do completely besiege the city. They, they encircle it. They, they, they tighten it down. They burn the suburbs. They um, essentially starve all the inhabitants of Jerusalem slowly and methodically. So the, the historical accounts are so brutal, they sound kind of like Game of Thrones. Like, like the people were, uh, you know, the, the bodies were rotting in Jerusalem. Um, and the, it was so bad that, you know, it got to the point where there was nobody strong enough to throw the dead bodies over the, over the city walls. Um, and so Jesus, I think, is seeing this horror and connecting with them not realizing that he's here with them right now kind of offering offering a different way and they and they won't they won't take it and it's not that god is like going to punish these people for their lack of recognition it's just that they're they're kind of making that choice and and god never forces our choices or or manipulates our will we can move toward him or not and that choice continues to be available to us. A favorite theologian of mine, Malcolm Geit, who we were looking at a lot last year, but I, he's so good I wanted to bring him back. He wrote this sonnet on the invitation to compare our hearts to the city of Jerusalem today. So I'm wondering if somebody who likes poetry can read it to us nice and loud. Now to the gate of my Jerusalem, the seething holy city of my heart, the Savior comes. But will I welcome him? Oh, crowds of easy feelings make a start. They raise their hands, get caught up in the singing, and think the battle won. Too soon they'll find the challenge. The reversal he is bringing changes their tune. I know what lies behind the surface. I know what lies behind. The surface flourish, flourish that so quickly fades. Self-interest and fearful guardedness. The hardness of the heart is barricades, and at the core the dreadful emptiness of a perverted temple. Jesus, come, break my resistance, and make me your home. Mm. Thanks, Mabel. So the poet is going beyond the lip service that people were giving to Jesus, you know, as they were waving their palms and praising him. 
in that moment, and he was looking at the source of Jesus's tears. Like, why was Jesus crying in that same moment that people were praising him? What was really going on in that city that would lead to the death of God this week? I think we're really going to get to see it, the, the answer to that question in our Holy Week observances this week, if, if you want to follow the story. Um, like on Monday, Jesus is in the temple. And, you know, what was, what was going on there was that people were using religion as a way to oppress the poor. There was a lot of corruption and compromise going on in that city it didn't always look that bad from the outside but it was not motivated by a love for God and if and as you walk through the week I think the invitation is to kind of make you can make your own connections between our city our country our world your own fickle feelings mine too there's a lot of connections we can make but back then, it was it was religious traditions that were more about looking good and like earning our own worthiness, and and oppressing the poor and hoarding wealth. It was about vying for political power, looking out for oneself more than others. But mostly, it was about not seeing the saving love of God coming to them in a real person, just a real vulnerable person and so the poet asks us to consider what it would be like to let that weeping needy Jesus come to our hearts today like what would he find and I invite you to just kind of think about your own situation right now for a minute just in your mind Who, who's in charge there is my true self in charge there, or am I fearfully beholden to another administration like Pilate was? What kind of compromises are being made? What's being taught in the temple of my mind? Is it old rituals, or is it new relationships? Who makes decisions about what to buy and sell? And what about that crowd, that the general population? Are the crowds of my feelings prone to go back and forth, to wax and wane like those guys, or do I know where my true loyalty lies? And can I invite Jesus into this whole situation again? And if I do, what's going to happen this week? When I was pondering... Um, that those questions for myself this week, I was thinking about how, like what keeps me from letting, letting Jesus in, and I was thinking about how when I was growing up, I was always afraid to get in trouble. Like I, I, I thought if I let somebody in, especially an authority figure, you know, that, that the ax would come down on me. And one, one time my friends and I camped in the spillway area of the lake I lived on. Um, my dad was a park ranger, and so we camped in this area that was near the dam and prone to flooding, and we weren't allowed to camp there. I don't know why we did, except for, like, teenage brain. 
Anyway, I'll never forget waking up to my poor dad's face, like, like peering into the tent. Well, like, you know, angrily unzipping the tent on me and all my friends and like yelling at us, like yelling at me at five in the morning. And there's nothing worse than getting yelled at by your parent in front of your friends at 5 a.m. when you're a teenager. And my friends still make fun of me for that moment. But my point is that we will not be shamed by Jesus for letting him into our seething heart city. We do not need to be defended against this undefended one. He's seen it all. He's been through it all. And he's here, undefended, even as a victorious king. He comes in in gentleness on this donkey. And he gets shamed beyond belief this week, you know, stripped and tortured in front of the entire known world. And he chooses to let that happen for love. And this is the, I love this prophecy about him in Isaiah. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. I think Jesus, I think Jesus really hung on to that to get to the end of his journey. Because of Jesus and his spirit in us, shame, rejection, fear, it has no power over us. We're probably going to feel those things. We're going to certainly face them. But they no longer need to have the last word because Jesus set his face like flint on this day to kind of stare them down and kill their power. And so we can come out and love freely without defense because that's what Jesus is doing. I think we're going to probably be called to take some risks in that direction. And so we shouldn't be surprised by the invitation. I think we're doing this. We keep on being called into this as a community in some, in some radical ways. And um, last night I had the opportunity to see one of our compassion teams um, held a fundraiser. They are um, neighbors investing in Child's Elementary School. And this team got going about seven years ago to care for one of Philly's many underfunded schools. And now it's this giant move. This team is this giant movement of neighbors that is like extends well beyond the church. And I think this is what the church does with this undefended love of Christ. It catalyzes movements of restoration in the world. So Megan Rosenbach moved into the neighborhood and she saw that the school like didn't even have a library. Um, and I remember going in and meeting with this principal and she, you know, she was like, what do you guys want to do? And why do you want to do it? Um, but Megan got people to care about the building, the staff, and mostly about the kids. And here's what, you know, one of our earliest projects was getting books and uh, making a library. And that's the after picture. 
And last night I was talking with one of the other founding members who admitted that early on he had to get over himself, like feeling ashamed about um, being a white educated transplant kind of coming into the city and wanting to make this improvement. Um, he wasn't sure if he should do that, you know, if he could love that freely for fear of like being criticized um, as colonial or like doing it the wrong way. And those are really good questions that have kind of guided this team to make real partnerships in the community. And you could see the partnerships in the room last night. Um, this, it was a big fundraiser. And you could see the organic connections in the neighborhood. One of the, one of the leaders was even saying, this is how we do it in South Philly. This is what happens when South Philly comes together. But I'm so glad the questions and the fear didn't stop this crew from doing what they felt like Jesus wanted them to do. Following Jesus is going to keep taking us into risky territory of restoration and reconciliation. And I think it will often feel like going down instead of up. The way of Jesus is like that. Being misunderstood, not taking credit sometimes letting go of worldly definitions of success. But this is the way to change the world, Jesus shows us. And so we're going to have to keep despising the shame with Jesus, remembering that he emptied himself so that humanity would be free not to grab and climb and perform and defend ourselves for everything. We're going to have to remember that this is not Game of Thrones where everybody is inherently selfish and greedy and, and evil is going to kill us all. We have the spirit of Jesus who gave himself up for us and to us. So we, we can come out and love freely without defense, even as we face death with him. Well, let's pray together. Lord, give us courage to keep being vulnerable like you, even with ourselves and our own hearts. It's, it's hard, and you know that. It's easier to defend and isolate. Help us this week especially, Lord, to have courage to walk with you, to participate in your sufferings in order to more fully experience the fullness of our resurrection. Thank you that we, that we live there with you, that you call us to rise with you, that that's our reality. Help us to feel it with you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.